Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tander. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. The teams head to the Apple Isle for the first 60-60 Super Sprint of the season and the first back-to-back weekends. All, it, all it's about is getting in the car and going out there and racing as hard as you can from when the light uh, goes off until when you get the checkered flag. You don't have to worry too much about strategy. We look at all that and more today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Taking the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max crew for Performance Racing, and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Teams are on the April Isle this weekend for the first of the 6060 Super Sprint events. One of the big questions is, will the drivers take the short handle to the first 60 kilometres of racing or will they run around in formation until the half-time break and then go hell for leather in the second of the 60 kilometres? I think we've experimented with that in the past at Queensland Raceway and it was very exciting to finish a race and only have 15 minutes to turn around and go and race again. So I'm quite looking forward to that and um, from a team point of view, you get the chance obviously to sit down and try and work out how to strategically maximise that as best we can compared to the other teams, you know, because you've got to refuel in that time and make any setup changes if you think it's required or, you know, if worse comes to worse, repair a little bit of damage in, in that short time frame if you sustain that in the, in the first race. It's about looking after your own tyres, managing your own race and going out there and driving as hard as you possibly can for the duration of it, which is really very similar to how the formats were back when I started in V8 Supercars, so... Yeah, I can't wait to get out there and uh, and rub a few panels. The second leg of the Super Sprint also will feature the first of the rolling starts, which, when tested at Eastern Creek in greasy conditions, was not the greatest of successes. Nissan has tempered the fans' expectations following a strong Australian Grand Prix performance, saying that the Simmons Plains layout will not suit the currently underpowered Nissan Motorsport entries. With the Tassie hairpin starting one of the longest and fastest accelerations in V8 supercars, Todd Kelly says that at the moment that is the weakness of the Nissan engine and is not expecting the team to qualify in the top half of the field. I'm unsure of, of where our cars will be based off where our engines are at at the moment but I do know that the cars are really fantastic and we've also got a couple of things hopefully if we can get them made in time to try on the suspension side of the car so uh, hopefully that can overcome the engine a little bit we haven't actually found anything with the engine from uh, the Grand Prix yet so uh, we'll see how we go but one thing that all the teams will have in mind is that they have to pack their race cars and send them across the ditch as soon as the racing is over on Sunday 
So major damage will not be able to be fixed back at the team's factories. With work taking place either before they head off on Sunday night in pit lane or at Pukekohe on Wednesday. Russell Ingle down in Tassie will make his 221st start. That beats his arch-rival Mark Scaife, who's on 220, and puts him second in the all-time starts list for the Touring Car Championship dash V8 Supercars Championship. Good luck to the enforcer, who at the moment has got the wood on his Walkinshaw performance teammates. V8X's raised speculation that FPR might be coming BPR if an overseas trip taken by Rod Nash and Tim Edwards involved a visit to the Bavarian Motor Works. Ford have not committed to the team and recent speculation on their ongoing motorsport involvement in Australia has been questioned. The V8 Insiders asked Tim Edwards in Adelaide about the team's negotiations with Ford. It's really over to, you know, that's Ford's decision at the moment, you know, obviously we're keen to to, to progress it, but ultimately we've just got to wait for them to, to work through the process. You know, you don't make a decision like that overnight, but look, Bob Graziano's here tomorrow. He's, uh, you know, he's a supporter of what we do. We're working hard to help them sell more cars, and, you know, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Jonathan Webb has managed to secure Daryl Lee for the rest of the season in his number 19 entry. It was thought that the Gizzers' VIP pet food entry would change mid-season to Daryl Lee, but it looks like the early season form from Techno has seen the Scottish-Australian Tony Quinn open the purse strings to sponsor the web car as well. Formula 3 star James Winslow has told sister program Inside Motorsport that he will be focusing his efforts for the rest of the year on securing a V8 supercar drive. At the moment, my primary objective is to try and get myself in a V8 supercar and use my experience of the tracks that I know in Australia um, and what I've learned to try and put it to good, good use in a V8 supercar drive. Winslow, who won at Bathurst last weekend, leads the points in the Australian Formula 3 championship but will not be driving in the series again this year. The reason for going out and just driving Bathurst was pure and simple. Focus on V8s. Um, I'm basically not going to race it any more rounds in F3. Um, I just did Bathurst at the weekend to gain the experience of the circuit. Um, yeah, so I'm going to basically 100% focus on V8 Supercar. I don't want to do too many other races and get distracted with other things, which possibly I've done in previous years because I've been offered so many different drives. And finally, Dick Johnson Racing had an April 1 announcement with Dick and Steve rolling out a press release on a potential new manufacturer for 2014. Here's Ben Beasley for the... April Fool's Day launch. Here it is, the DeLorean AFD-13. Well, lucky for us, the brushed stainless steel body is really going to help the flux dispersal generated by the flux capacitor, and we're hoping that this is going to be the secret weapon for DJR to really maximise our fuel economy for the race. Dick Johnson was happy to secure Marty McFly as the co-driver for the DeLorean. Like, to get an international star in a car, I had to have this vehicle. Otherwise, we couldn't have, uh, couldn't have had him uh, as a co-driver for all the international events that we need to do. And that's the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au.
nobrac.com.au. That's nobrac.com.au. After the break, Peter Norton and John Bannon will join me. And on the white flag lap, we'll turn back the clock to 2001 when Tony Cochran was in full control. It's a blast from the past you don't want to miss. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from Inside Motorsport, it is Peter Norton. Good evening, Peter. G'day, Craig. And from, uh, well, from VRX Magazine, it is John Bannon. Good evening, John. Good evening, Craig. Guys, interesting time as we head down to the Apple Isle. I know it's one of my favourite tracks to watch motor racing at because you see so much of it, John. But uh, before we get there, Dick Johnson announced his new manufacturer... And it was Back to the Future for an April Fool's Day prank. He was going with the DeLorean, John. Did that get a run on Prime up there at Newcastle? <laughs> Not a chance. Actually, that was one of the, the first things our, our news editor said to us uh, that morning. Be careful, be uh, warned of the April Fool's joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the local uh, coppers here speaks of um, an a- April Fool's joke once where uh, he, he said everyone to, to go down to the wharf here to watch a, a man eating fish and uh, hundreds of people flocked and there was a guy sitting on a park bench eating fish. So um, I guess it's a bit of a, a warning to journalists uh, to do a bit of fact-checking on April Fool's Day. Yes, I know the uh, the Julia Gillard is uh, stepping down for uh, someone off the back bench. That was getting a run even late in the day, Peter. Um, yes, I... Well, Twitter and uh, Facebook helped some of these things circulate as well. Uh, but I, I did hear of uh, some journalist who uh, spent uh, you know hour, hour and a half looking for the joke in a press release, and they wasted their time. It was actually uh, just a normal, serious uh, news story. Uh, but they, for, the, for the life of them, they were looking for the joke. So, for Dick Johnson Racing, Peter, going for a DeLorean, uh, do you think it missed the spot? I, I think... Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't as good as the uh, the glasses that Jason Bright, or the, or should I say, the contact strip that corrected his vision uh, troubles uh, last year. I think that one just had a bit more style to it. Um, yes, uh, over the years there's been a few good uh, pranks on April Fool's, and yes, I did like the Jason Bright one because it actually made you stop and think, is that possible? Uh, so yeah, good laughs out of some of those. Mm. Well, John, uh, what did you think? Of the Dick Johnson press release? Yeah. Oh, I, I think that's that's fine. It's probably good for the team, actually, uh, at this time to, to get a bit of extra publicity and, you know, if uh, the, the journos go ahead and, and print that sort of thing or, or even uh, refer to it later that they try to a bit of an April Fool's joke, then it's, it's good publicity for, for the team and at a time where... Uh, you know, obviously their their different uh, struggles have have been played out 
in the media, it's probably good to get a little bit of uh, extra attention and, and, and support. So I, I don't really see any problem with it. Everyone knows it's April Fool's. Everyone's going to try something. I don't think there's really any big harm. Mm. Of course, uh, as John said, Peter, at least DJR was getting good press. Well, this is right, and uh, I, I think that, uh, to me, the gag worked quite nicely because it is a team that's, uh, uh, you know, thinking of past glory, so the, the time travel kind of uh, connection there uh, sort of works a bit, um, that uh, the recent uh, uh, present has been pretty rough for them. So, uh, you know, being able to jump back in time uh, to enjoy the glory again would be lovely, uh, but then also to, to get that technical edge uh, to be able to predict the future. Uh, that would be handy for them as well. So uh, best of luck to them. Mm. Of course, it's almost back to the future with the format this weekend. John, it's 60 kilometres, 15-minute halftime and 60 kilometres. Not that the halftime is uh, anything old, but certainly short, sharp races are certainly back to old-school racing. Yeah, it seems like uh, something out of the, the mid-90s, Craig. But uh, And I'm assuming with this style of racing, there's no uh, fuel stops, is there? No, only tyres. Yeah, so that, that that's interesting. I, I think, I don't know if I like that. I, I think it could potentially make the, the races that, that little bit more boring and, and processional in a way, uh, particularly if now all we're really relying on... Um, in terms of entertainment, it is tyre degradation. So, uh, of course, you know, tyre degradation can be interesting in that you know, different drivers will manage the, the tyres uh, differently and, and some will do that well and others won't. But I, I think it's a shame that they've gone away from the, the longer the format. In, in a longer format, you, you have all that pit strategy play out. There's often more incidents. I, yeah, I, I'm not sure I'm such a fan of uh, the, the new format. Peter, it's almost like a support event. Yeah, but my concern is that um, the focus is on how well you get off the line uh, and after lap three, well, you know how it's going to end. Uh, and then you've got uh, you know, the, the, the race finishing, your short break and then having to start again. It becomes a bit tedious. Uh, I'd also be a little bit nervous about whether that distance uh, truly lets the tyre degradation differences really play out. Um, but um, you know, they're not uh, too silly, the people who plan these things. I'm sure they've uh, you know, sat down with the specifications of soft tyres and uh, how long they're expected to last. Uh, let's hope that there is a bit of variety in the strategies to make it interesting. I hope also that the drivers try to race in the first 60 kilometres because, Peter, it could be a very boring 60 kilometres of racing if they're not going to mix it up. Well, exactly. The, uh, you know, the, their mindset may be... Look, get a good start, settle down, and uh, up to lap three, just hang in there. Um, that, that would defeat the purpose of it all. John, do you think the drivers will go hard early? Oh, it, it really is, is hard to say. I, I'm not quite up with the point structure. How many points do you get for, for the end of the first race? Is there any difference between that and the second? Or? There's no points for the first one. It's your starting position for the second. Yeah, well, that, that is a major problem, isn't it? So you think that people are going to, I guess, take minimal risks and uh, and really look after their tyres uh, and put themselves in a position for that that, that second race. Yeah, that, that is a that is a worry because you really could get quite a quite a procession. Uh, I, I I guess it is worth fighting to be higher up the grid for the the second race, particularly if you didn't qualify well. But 
it's still strange to me. I, I, I don't understand why they've gone back to this sort of sort of format. Uh, I hope I'm proven wrong. I hope it's exciting. Uh, I hope it's a, a breath of fresh air and uh, is something that the fans really love and, and uh, us in the media really enjoy as well. But, but I guess uh, the proof will be in the pudding on the weekend. Mm. Of course, Nissan are already playing down expectations after what I thought was a very good Australian Grand Prix weekend, John, because they're saying we still don't have the horsepower and when you come out of the tightest corner in Australia onto one of the longest straights and the hardest accelerations, we just don't have the engine underneath us yet. That might be the case, but they're doing very, very well for a new team. Uh, They're... They're quick. Their, their, their drivers have featured in the top ten in races. Uh, they've all been competitive and, in many ways, have exceeded expectations. And, and compared to Mercedes, have uh, have debuted really well. Of course, they've had uh, much longer to prepare. Uh, they've known about their program for significantly longer. But you'd have to say that they have been on on the ball and if this is how good they are at this point in the season imagine what they'll be like at the end of the season or even uh, next year they could really uh, take it to some of the Ford and Holden teams because mm, Peter the Mercs are a worry aren't they yes I would have expected that news story to be about the Mercs um, we've seen that they don't quite have the mumbo-jumbo in those engines quite yet uh, but also what hasn't been uh, discussed on this one yet is that uh, that track is very tough on tire? Uh, sorry, very tough on brakes. Um, and you know, a few people have uh, uh, have shown some concern about the braking package in this uh, car of the future. Uh, and I think that the uh, uh, leading into that hairpin, it's going to be a real test for these braking packages. Mm, an interesting point. Guys, uh, ahead of the break, we've seen some great performances by rookie drivers. Scott McLaughlin, Scott Pye particularly have uh, done extremely well. Who do you think is going to be the rookie that suits the Tasmanian circuit the best, John? Well, I think you've just, na- I think you've just named both of them, Craig. Uh, Scott McLaughlin and Scott Pye have had an exceptional uh, start to the year, and I think they'll continue to do so, uh, and most probably on whatever track they race. Uh, they're two very impressive young men. Uh, I spoke to them both. Uh, last week, and, and Scott's obviously on a high... Scott McLaughlin, I should say. I'm forgetting we've got two Scots here, so I've got to say which one. Uh, McLaughlin uh, is on a high after uh, after his victory uh, at Albert Park, and, and just very... And they both seem to have reasonably quick cars um, be- between them. Uh, Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport has taken a big step forward this year with the Triple Eight package, and and, and Scott Pye is certainly getting the, the most out of it, you know, compared to, to his more experienced teammates. So there's no reason why those two won't uh, again impress again this weekend. Mm. What about your take on it, Peter? Um, I think I'd lean towards Scott Pye doing slightly better because uh, I feel that he's got just that little bit more experience. Uh, the hardware that they're both in uh, is very good. Um, what makes it interesting is that uh, they're very different. Uh, Gary Rogers really coming to grips with the car of the future uh, probably faster than what anyone would have expected. Um, and it'll be interesting how the season progresses, whether some of that uh, out-of-the-box speed advantage that they've had, whether the, the rest of the field sort of catches them a bit. Mm. Uh, but just from experience, I think Scott Pye would be my pick out of that, those two. All right, we need to take a break here on the Vat Insiders. Plenty more when we return. 
You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Hi, I am Alexandre Prema from the Fujitsu JRM team and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me, Craig Ravel, is John Bannon and uh, Peter Norton. Guys, uh, we take our focus away from Tassie just for the moment. I will ask you who is going to win at the end of the segment, but right, he's overseas and preparing, or he's been overseas preparing for Le Mans. Now, Peter, you, you know Jason quite well, and you know that this has been a passion of his for many years. Oh, yes. Uh, he's been trying to put deal, together a, a deal uh, for quite a while, I understand. Um, really, the, this um, dream of his goes back to, I think it was around 2005, um, when he was the, one of the factory drivers with uh, FPR. He had the opportunity to join the, the Pro Drive squad uh, for Le Mans. Um, unfortunately, V8 supercars had a, a date uh, problem and they had to move one of the V8 rounds and it created a date clash. Um, so the, the door sort of slammed in his face for taking the, uh, the trip to the, the countryside in France. Um, so uh, I think ever since that's been a, a frustration that uh, he wasn't able to do that. Um, and now he's been able to uh, join the dots uh, and uh, to get a chance. Um, unfortunately, it's not a, an outright contender that uh, you know, he might have had through ProDrive. Um, it's uh, you know, one of the, one of the, the top uh, class runners, uh, but uh, you know, it, it gets him there and gets uh, some experience in uh, one of the legendary tracks. Mm. It, it certainly is a, a track that everyone should visit once, John, and I don't know if you've made it to Le Mans yet, but it's probably on your to-do list, isn't it? Oh, definitely. I haven't been uh, lucky enough to go there yet, Craig, but uh, I certainly would would like to. And I imagine, uh, as Jason Bright is a, is a racing driver, it would be on the to-do list of, of most racing drivers. Uh, it's arguably the world's most famous track. Uh, it holds arguably the world's most famous endurance race. And uh, who wouldn't want to be part of that and, and, and have the opportunity to impress in that way and, and put their name on the history books and uh, Jason Bright's had a, a very esteemed career uh, not only in V8 supercars but across uh, several different uh, national and international categories and um, it, it, uh, of all people uh, him and, and Craig Lowndes you'd expect to be at the forefront of, of a campaign like this. Mm, I can tell you that uh, it's certainly on the list of people like Russell Ingall as well who uh, wants to get into some of these endurance races when well with particularly with Russell we know when his career in the main game is coming to a close guys Ford still has not committed to the future of the sport John does that mean we will be down to zero Fords from six next year well maybe uh but I would think that it would be unlikely can you really imagine a scenario in which Ford completely um, shut the doors on its V8 supercar program? It's, it, you know, it's a it's a big part of V8 supercar history. It would be a massive call uh, and, and a massive surprise uh, 
if the powers that be uh, allowed that to happen. Uh, admittedly, I'm not in the in the sanctum of all that, and I don't know what's going on behind closed doors, and whether in fact a new manufacturer will will come in, and whether the likes of um, Mark Winterbottom, Will Davison, and Co will be uh, racing uh, for another manufacturer next year instead. But it, it's a fascinating one. But I think it would be a, a tragedy for the sport uh, if. Well, tragedy is probably a strong word, but it would certainly be a, a disappointing to see Ford uh, leave when they have such a large fan base. Peter? Um, I think a, a tragedy would be the correct word. Um, so much history, so much uh, fan loyalty and passion line, lies behind that uh, blue badge. Um, I think that the practicality of it is that uh, we would see Fords on the grid, um, the question is, how small would the logos be? Um, you know, the, the hardware's been built. Uh, the hardware is—it's uh, not quite at the uh, at the top of the, the podium yet, but uh, it's not uncompetitive by any chance. So I think that uh, teams that have invested in that equipment, um, you know, they'll be out there one way or another, um, utilising the equipment that they've built. Um, hopefully, the Ford Motor Company continue to put a few dollars at it. Um, yeah. We understand that the Falcon is not selling very well, and it's uh, uh, you know, quite obviously it's going to be phased out. Um, it's not something they're going to uh, continue to invest in updating and marketing. But it leaves the, the real dilemma then of um, all manufacturers like to have a, a hero car, you know, something that helps define the brand in the marketplace. Um, you know, something a bit sporty, um, something a bit tough um, has always been you know, part of their marketing strategy. Um, the world's changed a bit. Now, you know, smart and economical and technology are the things that uh, uh, excite buyers rather than power and race wins. But you still want to have that iconic car that helps define the brand. Um, to me, the question is, are Ford interested enough to put a different uh, car on the grid. And unfortunately, that's going to require a bit of an investment. Um, you know, would they bring in the Mustang uh, and then get the, the body panels uh, put onto the existing chassis to go racing Mustangs for a, uh, you know, a smaller investment than uh, you know, that's something that's uh, you know, a whole brand new shape? Um, yeah, a lot of questions that uh, only time will tell. Mm. And there is a bit of a precedent here as well uh, in terms of what's happened with the Ute and how uh, they've they've stopped production uh, on their on their XR8 Ute. Well, I think that's the case anyway. Um, so with, with that happening in the Ute series, uh, you'd, you'd consider that it's certainly a possibility uh, that that the Falcon could go the same way. Mm. And of course, uh, if you look at the Ute's development path. They're moving away from what uh, we know as a ute. They're moving more to the four-wheel drive, the Hilux, the uh, uh, Navaras, and those style of vehicles is their future. So, John, it really is the end of this four-cylinder family car market, which is what Fiat Supercars has really traditionally built at space. Well, that's right. You mentioned the Utes there, and as you said, they're pushing towards a, a light commercial vehicle. Uh, obviously, there's a model with, with the car of the future, and with what Peter said there about perhaps looking at a, a Mustang, you know, there's all those sort of options that, that Ford uh, will consider, but perhaps they don't need um, to stick to the, the traditional um, uh, 
uh, Falcon like they they have done uh, previously mm. and currently. Well, we know it was Easter, but when a Scottish Australian opens the purse strings, Peter Norton, and starts giving you money, you almost have to think it's Christmas because uh, Tony Quinn, right ahead of Easter, has said, I think you guys are doing well enough that I'll sponsor both the cars, one with VIP and Jonathan Webb's car for the first time since Mother is going to have a a full-time sponsor on that vehicle under the Daryl Lee chocolate brand. What a jolly good outcome there, that um, they get both cars tied to the the, the same business, essentially, Um, and it's win-win all around um, because I think they're delivering value for money on the uh, VIP car um, with... uh, Shane Ben Gisbergen at the pointy end of the field and getting all sorts of headlines. Um, so, yeah, I think the, uh, Tony Quinn's getting a, a good return on his investment there. What I found fascinating in uh, one of the stories I read on this was uh, part of the explanation why it made sense to increase the sponsorship uh, to the two cars. And, and that was um, people have now gotten used to seeing BIP on Shane, on Shane Ben Gisbergen's car. So, for it to go away, it actually creates lots of questions. Uh, the, the Joe public end up going, what happened to VIP? Have they gone broke? Why aren't they there? Um, and they don't realise that those two brands um, are actually coming from the, you know, the, the, the same you know, company group. Um, so uh, Tony gets to promote his chocolates um, and the VIP brand, uh, and no one gets confused. And Techno gets... Uh, you know, more sponsorship out of it to boot so uh, a very nice outcome i found that excuse or that reason was probably the poorest i've ever heard john i uh, people will think vip are gone broke if they're not on a race car yeah <laughs> well could, could well be but um yeah it's it's good to see that uh uh i guess tony's got the the ball rolling there and and uh has got daryl lee on on both cars i think that's probably as uh, Peter did point out uh, it will create less confusion uh, for for fans and um, and, and will help uh, promote a, an Aussie product. So um, yeah, I, I think it's it's good for the team to have that that continuity. And uh, yeah, it might create a bit of confusion what's happened to VIP, but uh, I'm, I'm sure that the fans will get used to it pretty quickly. And um, and uh, I'm sure Tony will use. Uh, the VIP sponsorship on uh, on some of his other race cars. Yeah, he certainly has uh, really reinvigorated that brand, Peter. Uh, absolutely, and it's a much-loved brand um, in, in Australia, and it, it's very well recognised uh, in the US as well. Uh, and if they uh, load their containers to go over to Texas, uh, it makes sense to have that Daryl Lee brand uh, on a car, at least, uh, over there to uh, try to join some of those dots. Mm. Well, guys, I promised you this question earlier, and I'm going to deliver it now. Who's going to win in Tassie, John Bannon? Ooh, uh, I, I think uh, Shane Van Gisbergen will continue his good run. Uh, I, I think he, he is a, a driver who's really on top of his form at the moment, and uh, I, he just seems to want it more than anybody else at the moment. And and they've obviously got a quick package underneath them, and, and there's no reason uh, why he can't win. So uh, he'll be my pick for the weekend. Mm, I'm going to preempt you, Peter. I think it's going to be a Red Bull fest. What about you? Um, I'm thinking uh, Jamie Wincup has something to prove. All of these other upstarts have uh, taken all of the glory uh, so far, 
and uh, in the background he's been sorting out some of his contractual issues with uh, previous uh, energy drinks. Um, I understand that's all now being put to bed and there's no excuses anymore. Jamie to uh, go out and uh, prove why he's the champion. Mm. Well, guys, look forward to a great weekend of racing and catching up with you both in the very near future. Yeah, you too, Craig. The White Flag is up next, brought to you by Fujitsu and the White Flag Lab. This week, it's got that Dick Johnson feel. It's back to the future. Tony Cochran, you might remember him. He used to run the V8 supercars for a while there. Inside Motorsport talked to him in 2001. Let's see how much has changed. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Jonathan Webb from Techno Autosports, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. This week on the Fujitsu, Australia's leading air white flag lap, we go back to 2001. This interview with Tony Cochran took place in mid-October. September 11 had happened. There was speculation on whether IndyCar would come down to race at the Gold Coast. And we caught up with Tony just after the calendar had been announced. And there was speculation that V8 supercars might be going to longer races. Interesting. We're going back to shorter races this weekend. Here's Tony Cochran when he spoke to me on Inside Motorsport in October 2001. Yeah, no, it's been a fantastic year so far and uh, we're very excited at the moment about the prospect of for the first time ever taking the whole championship offshore with our next round in New Zealand. So still a couple of things in front of us and then, of course, the new um, closing format for the year with uh, the new event at Sandown in uh, the last weekend of November. Of course, Sandown uh, returning to the calendar this year as the grand finale, and uh, I'm sure everyone's hoping that it can be a uh, finale to remember. Yeah, I sincerely hope so. It's a great track and very good fan facilities, and uh, we wanted to finish the championship in a major capital city. Um, We've had a lot of pressure from corporates to uh, do that, and uh, it's nice uh, that we're now in this position. In fact, we've signed a five-year deal with uh, the promoter there to, uh, to end the championship at Sandown. For Avesco and for V8 Supercars, how important has the last few years been for building the brand name and uh, ensuring the future of the division? Oh, look, it's been excellent. I mean, um, there's no doubt that in the last five years, V8 Supercars has uh, really stamped its authority on being the number one uh, um, motorsport in this country. And, um, you know, you've only got to look at the enormous increase in both our fans attending live at the track and our uh, unbelievable increase in our uh, television ratings over that five years. There has been uh, a lot of talk by people about the uh, the predominance of street races coming uh, to be so important to the series, uh, at the expense, I might add, of, of normal circuits. How do you balance up that uh, wanting for having uh, major cities involved like Canberra and Adelaide and also uh, being able to ensure that there are motor racing drivers coming up through the uh, ranks that are serviced by permanent facilities. Well, I think um, no one's done more for permanent facilities since the arrival of Avesco on the scenes five years ago. 
in that time there's been a couple of brand new tracks built, Willow Bank in Queensland and Darwin up in the Northern Territory. Uh, we've, uh, because of uh, our help, there's been other tracks that have been able to upgrade. Oran Park's done a significant uh, upgrade. Uh, we've now been able to help the uh, West Australian track of Barbagella get some money out of their government towards upgrading their pit facilities. Um, all of these things benefit all uh, levels of Australian motorsport, of course. They don't just benefit a VESCO. Um, we, we're only at these places for one weekend of the year. So uh, uh, we've left, uh, in, as it were, in our wake uh, a fairly uh, healthy uh, um, fitting out and upgrade of many of the permanent circuits in this country. Um, the street circuits uh, really, uh, I mean, people like to talk up the fact, you know, that w there's so many of those and, you know, they're taking over permanent circuits everywhere, etc., etc. If we really examine the truth of that statement, of course, we only, we only do two um, street races at the moment, one in Canberra where there is no uh, permanent facility in any case and one in Adelaide. And, uh, of course, in Adelaide we provide Malala with a round of the Konica series. So... If you really weigh it up and look at it, uh, take the emotion out of it, uh, the overall balance we, we strike in uh, 13 appearances each year, it's, it's uh, very, very heavily still in favour of going to permanent circuits. Uh, the calendar, of course, released this week for next season. It does prove that, uh, well, things are going on bigger and better and a format change, which I think uh, a lot of fans are saying is desperately needed. Well, yeah, I mean, we've changed the formats uh, enormously for this year and that's worked very, very well. The only two places where we didn't change it really was uh, Calder and Barbagello, but in both cases because of the uh, lack of a, a permanent pit facility. So, um, yeah, we're very happy with the new format. The fans are obviously very happy. We've had... Um, a record year in terms of uh, live attendances and certainly a record year in terms of uh, our television ratings. So, you know, we're, we're quite happy and this sort of format will now stay for some time. We've announced a new um, enduro-style weekend at uh, Eastern Creek for uh, late April of next year um, and we'll be announcing all the details on that uh, as we get towards the end of this year, uh, towards the Sandown Round. Mm. Now, of course... This week, uh, with the dramas that have been going on around the world, it's uh, also had some talk that you might have to step up and fill the IndyCar shoes. Well, I, I'm still of the opinion that um, I know, uh, having sat on the cart board for uh, 18 months, two years, I, I'm, I'm still of the opinion that uh, IndyCar, the IndyCar teams will come to Australia, uh, unless, of course, there's something more happens in America. But uh, I, I believe they'll be here, and uh, I believe it'll be a... a first-class weekend. Um, it'll be uh, the V8's uh, last appearance at Indy, of course. Playing devil's advocate here for a moment with you, if it was to transpire that you had to take the um, take the headlining act, would you then use as an opportunity to test what you're going to do uh, next year? Because obviously the Indy 300 is a 300-kilometre uh, event, which is what you're going to be using in the uh, in 2002. Well, it's that, yeah, well, you, you're reacting to rumour there that we're going to run 300k races. We haven't confirmed that. Oh, well, you could do it now if you like. Yeah, well, we could. <laughs> um, look, if we, um, if, if uh, we take over uh, uh, because uh, the IndyCar teams decide it's uh, safer to stay home um, in a couple of weeks' time, um, look, we'll, we'll have to sit down and review that with the teams as to what format it will be. Um, but at this point in time, we haven't been asked, so... We really haven't uh, even given it any thought. The only uh, thing we can say with any certainty is it couldn't be a round of the championship. Was there any discussion or any 
pressure being put on you to perhaps use the uh, the Conica series as a Saturday act to build up the whole weekend of racing that you do have? Um, oh, well, I wouldn't say there was pressure. Um, it was a suggestion put forward. But our uh, most importantly, our Conica series entrants uh, were very, very keen to stay standalone. Um, Network 10 were very keen to see us uh, run as a separate entity. And our sponsor, Conica, were very keen to let it keep building. It uh, built again this year over last year. Um, and we see no reason why it won't keep building again for next year. So I think uh, there was um, no real necessity to put the two of them together. Um, obviously, the Shell Championship Series more than stands on its own two feet um, and draws you know, massive crowds everywhere it goes now. Uh, the Conica Series is a very good development series, and uh, you know we're doubling the prize money in that championship next year for our entrance and... Uh, we're very confident the Conica series will continue to grow. We're very happy with our first uh, Conica race at Bathurst this year. We're going to seek to put that in a better time slot on the Saturday next year. But, um, no, look, overall, the Conica series has uh, proven to be uh, an outstanding success and gives uh, young drivers a real chance to get used to our cars before um, hopefully they get caught up in the cut and thrust of the Main Shell Championship series. Mm. I know uh, there is talk next year that you're going to have something like 43 cars fighting out for 33 spots on the grid. Uh, what, at the Shell Series? Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, that, that's possible, of course. Um, we, we do limit the Shell Championship Series these days to 32 cars and um, at most of our events. And uh, um, obviously, if uh, more than that want to run, then they've got to come along and qualify, and, and they do run the risk of um, not getting a start on uh, Saturday or Sunday. That has made for some exciting Friday afternoons. Yeah, it has. And I, uh, look, that's not really what we want to achieve, to be perfectly frank. We, we, you know, we really would like uh, competitors who, who can't cut the, the must in the Shell Championship Series really to run in Conica um, and leave the Shell Championship Series to those teams that can afford the entire championship year. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's, well, you know, it's a free country. And if they want to come and... Uh, and try and uh, pre-qualify, then they're certainly able to do so. Mm. And finally, your uh, relationship with the 10 Network now extends for a multi-year contract. How hard has it been to deal with uh, Channel 10 knowing that they now have football rights uh, for every Saturday? Well, it, it hasn't been hard at all. Uh, in fact, it's uh, worked very much uh, to our advantage because we think we'll get a lot of cr cross-promotional benefits out of their football coverage. Um, we have a um, we have a relationship in our new five year agreement, which guarantees the championship will be shown live or as live, depending on time slots in various states, and um, on Saturday and Sunday afternoons. And uh, um, ten will work that in around their commitments with the AFL. And if there is a clash, they will give that particular game off to Channel Nine. Mm. It has been a, a criticism in some of the chat rooms that you see on the website and uh, talking to fans that Channel Ten haven't added anything. Uh, to the television coverage of motor racing since they've taken over, uh, with the exception of time slot, uh, they haven't really uh, increased, uh, um, the, for argument's sake, even simple things like graphics are still the same graphics as we saw on Channel 7. Just little, uh, little things that uh, every year used to change over at 7. Uh, people have said we're still seeing five years ago what was going on on the screens. Yeah, I think that's pretty harsh criticism. I think people... Uh tend to have very short memories when it suits them. Um, the truth of the matter is, of course, uh, if we go back six years ago to the good old days of uh, the other broadcaster, uh, 
most of the show rounds were shown at 11.30 or midnight on a Sunday night. Um, so it was hardly what you call very convenient. Secondly, of course, most people knew the results well and truly before they even sat down to watch it, um, whereas all of our uh, V8 rounds are live. Um, the um, extent of the coverage has grown massively in the uh, five years. Uh, we're going to end up this year doing about 76 hours, I think it is, in total live coverage of V8s. Uh, in uh, Channel 7's last year they did, uh, of live coverage, they did uh, less than 22 hours. So, you know, uh, I, I don't take, uh, I don't think the criticism's particularly fair and, uh, you know, the new timing package that Avesco's worked with all this year, which now th throws up split times on the screen as a brand new innovation and that uh, we'll be able to uh, relay that whole information onto the uh, screen live next year. So there'll be quite a bit more time and information available next year um, on the screens. We've introduced uh, top 10, top 15 shootouts. Uh, certainly um, 10 don't show all of those, but they show quite a few of them. So I, I, I think that uh, 10 have done a, a tremendous job with the coverage. It's fully digital. I realise a lot of people don't have digital sets yet, but when they do and they've got the black uh, uh, the, the, the box decoders, um, you'll find that at quite a few of our major events, you can actually pick up three different channels um, of our rounds. So there are a lot of uh, things in the loop that are, that will transpire and come through as time goes on. And you know, I have to say, I think they've done an exceptionally good job of uh, motorsport coverage. I think they've brought it up uh, to a standard that's now level with the other sports, whereas it was very much foundering in the in uh, the background at um, Network Seven. Now, Bathurst, of course, uh, the controversy is um, the long weekend. And will we see the V8s back on the long weekend? No, um, unfortunately, because of the NRL moving there, uh, making this decision to run, always run their um, grand final on the long weekend, um, both our promoter, IMG at Bathurst, and uh, Network 10, the TV network, uh, they both wish us to have a standalone weekend. Um, they don't wish the, our event to be overshadowed by any other... Um, sporting events, so we're going to the weekend after the long weekend, as we did this year, and that will become the standard weekend for us. Finally, are you still enjoying the job up there uh, running the uh, the powers of Avesco? Oh, yeah, look, um, it's like any job. Um, you have moments where it's good and moments where it's bad. But, uh, look, no, overall, we're, we're pretty... Um, I think we're pretty happy with the way things are going. And um, five years on, um, you know, I certainly... Um, uh, I'm endorsed as chairman, I think it's for another two years. I, I certainly uh, plan on seeing those two years out and uh, you know, we'll have a bit of a review of looking at them. That's all we have time for this week on the V8 Insiders. It's a check of flag waves over another edition. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.